It is time for us on this Wednesday morning to check in with our Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. Are you finding things to keep yourself busy during this week in between Christmas and New Year's? Yeah, I've been checking through the news to see. uh, We've been through all the year-end interviews with the politicians, and they haven't started talking about what they're going to do next year. So they're uh, not generating a lot of publicity, but there's a couple of other things going on. One thing that I found pretty disturbing is an eruption that's occurred around the Belfry Theatre here in Victoria, which is a showdown, I guess you'd call it, over uh, how the politics of the Middle East have spilled over into the spring production schedule for the Belfry. So. and uh, it's a lovely little theater company uh, located in a neighborhood in Victoria at an old church. Uh, they put on a good mix of plays every year. And they announced that in the spring, they're going to do a production of The Runner, which is a Canadian play written by a Canadian. It's set in Israel. It is a one-man play. Uh, portrays the moral dilemma facing a volunteer healthcare worker who is torn between treating a Palestinian woman who is accused of having committed violence against Israelis and a wounded member of the Israeli Defense Services. And spoiler alert, the healthcare worker decides to treat the Palestinian before he treats the Israeli, uh, does so in defiance of what he's been told to do, does so because he feels bound by the Hippocratic Oath. Um, based on that summary, Simi, I would say uh, uh, the way, to me, <laughs> yeah, balanced, the way you just described sensitive. it to me, I thought, how can yeah. anybody have a problem with yeah. this? And the thing I should say, too, about the play is that it's uh, been around for almost 10 years. It's been produced across the country. Uh, CBC even did a radio drama version of it, but it has become politicized for two reasons. Uh, One reason is uh, that a series of allegations that the Israeli government to some degree helped pay for the travel of the playwright to go to Israel and interview members of this volunteer health organization. Again, I'm just repeating what's in the petitions and the protest letters. I don't know if that's the case or whether that's just more politics. And the other issue is that it gives a a full dimensional portrait of the Israeli, but it doesn't really portray the plight of the Palestinians in any detail. So, those allegations, it's racist, it's colonialist, it's Zionist, it's about what you would imagine. The Belfry Theatre, it's a community theatre, right? It's dependent on community support. I mean, they, they had a meeting just before Christmas, a three-hour meeting with the protesters to try to find some middle ground on this. The protesters walked out. The theatre entrance has now been defaced, uh, Free Palestine and that sort of thing. There are battling petitions circulating here in the capital. Each has attracted about a thousand signatures, according to the Victoria paper. And one petition calls on the Belfry to cancel the production. And the other one says, you better go ahead. So 
I mean, you can see this would be a nightmare for, a, yeah. as I said, a, a small community supported theater company uh, puts on its plays in a converted church. And it's a good theater company, but you can imagine, right? They, they don't have security. Uh, they're not going to be able to get security. Uh, you can imagine that the, the advice to the theater company would be don't stand your ground because, uh, you know, they're, they're the great risk of the protests escalating. You've made the theater a target. So I, I don't envy them the situation. It's only developed in the last two or three days. So and and over Christmas. So there hasn't been a lot of community comment on this. I would hope that the provincial government and the city, both of which support the theater company, will come out and defend the right of the theater company to put this play on. As I said, it's a Canadian written play being on the CBC. It's been staged in Toronto and London, Ontario and Halifax. It should be staged here, but I don't like its chances at the moment. Well, sure. I can imagine that that the people who work there or volunteer there, they must feel like they're they're real. They have a no win situation on their hands. Yeah, no, they don't. Uh, I mean, it's lamentable how politics kind of gets into everything. Right. Uh, yeah. The the boycott Israel movement uh, has spilled over in all kinds of ways in Hollywood into actors who've done um who've, you know, had a contract to uh, promote some kind of product manufactured in Israel, artists who've performed in Israel, musicians, and so forth. Uh, there's an awful lot of grandstanding goes on on this issue. It's gotten worse with the war, needless to say. But, uh, you know, again, I, I kind of go, um, I tend to come down on the uh, artistic freedom side of this kind of an issue, Simi, and I say, you know, if... Uh, Roger Waters wants to, formerly Pink Floyd, wants to tour the world denouncing Zionism, and he does it. You don't have to go to his damn concerts if you don't want to hear him on that issue, uh, including some former members of Pink Floyd who won't speak to him over it. And I go, if a little theater company here in Victoria wants to put on a play by a Canadian, which was deemed sufficiently artistically sound to be staged elsewhere in the country and on the CBC... I think it would be discouraging if they don't go ahead, but they're a small operation, Sammy. And as I said, mm -hmm. do they really want to become a lightning rod for what's going on all over the world on this issue? Victoria has had a number of protest marches sympathetic to the Palestinian cause. Again, it's public. You can do it. We have free speech here. Uh, unlike in some of the countries that the pro-Palestinian people admire, but uh, there you go. It's mm. not a uh, it's not a happy situation. I'm very sorry that it's descended on the Belfry, which, as I said, uh, I've gone to their. I haven't recently gone to their productions, but I did for a number of years, and they were a fine little theater company. All right, we're checking in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun, and now we're going to be talking about fentanyl. We know this is a huge problem, particularly in BC, but Vaughn getting an idea, I guess, from a U.S. paper about just how bad it is. Yeah, headline on the Washington Post newspaper on Christmas Eve. Here we go. Fentanyl super labs in Canada pose new threat for U.S. opioid epidemic. So this story highlights the growing problem in this country 
of labs that manufacture fentanyl pills. So raw material brought in from elsewhere or just assembled here, but now getting heavily into manufacture. The article goes on to quote Canadian authorities saying that they're near as they can determine uh, these labs are producing more fentanyl pills than are needed, are consumed in the Canadian market. They assume it's being developed for export. It's early. And the American reaction is the American government, Simi, is cracking down on drug imports from south of the border, from Mexico. And really this story, putting it on the radar screen in the States, which is you may have a problem coming with drugs exported from Canada. Uh, production going ahead here in these so-called super labs. The story has two cases uh, in Vancouver and one in Toronto and saying, you know, it's fairly easy to get the stuff across the border. Uh, probably you're going to have calls in the United States for much tougher inspections on the border. And of course, that won't be great for all the other reasons Canadians and Americans go back and forth across that border. Um, yeah, and it seems to me like people like to think that the border problem is south of the United States, not north of the United yeah. States. Yeah, and, you know, that is the history of it, although you know, the Washington Post did a nice job here talking to Canadian authorities, pointing out that there's been a long-standing <coughs> issue of drugs from Canada, manufactured in Canada, going south. And the big example they use is crystal meth, crystal meth labs here, and the stuff would go across the border. So um, there's, and it's an easy border to get back and forth across. In spite of, you know, you look at the lineups uh, when everyone's going to shop in Bellingham, uh, it doesn't seem that way, but it is. And the other thing the article says is, look, uh, the spread of fentanyl was initially tied to the way other drugs have spread around the world, which is port cities, the material, the drugs are brought in, and that's how they get into North America, and that's how they get spread around the continent. But now you've got this big shift that's occurred in Canada, and we've, we've had reporting on this too, that we've gone from simply being um, finding deposits of, of in stores and supplies of drugs here to manufacture. Uh, same thing is happening in the United States, the Americans in Washington state. What they used to find was pill presses, the raw material, the raw fentanyl was there already, and they were just manufacturing the pills. But now you're assembling the raw materials here. And it's very hard to prevent the raw materials coming in because some of them are chemicals that are used for other kinds of purposes. So uh, the article points out, and we've again reported it here, Simi, that North America has a much bigger problem with fentanyl than anywhere else in the world. Uh, 70,000 deaths in the United States, 7,000 in Canada, but 2,000 in British Columbia. Per capita, we have pretty much the worst problem with fentanyl deaths of any place in the world. Uh, not surprising. Uh, Criminals are manufacturing the stuff here because there's a market here, but the indications now are they're making so much of the stuff, they're also shipping it across the border. And if the American government is successful in cracking down on the stuff being brought into the United States across the Mexican border, well, the cartels may well switch their production to Canada because it's easier to get stuff across the border. Yikes. Uh, did they say where this was the biggest problem? 
Uh, British Columbia, the, the two biggest examples they used, uh, seizures and reported here, uh, mm. you know, well over a million pills, I think, seized in one here. Uh, but Ontario as well. And there, you know, they mentioned that the place they busted in Ontario was very close to the border. Well, every place in Canada where people live is very close That's to true. the border. We all live, yeah. you know, almost within sighting distance of the border. So, uh, and we go back and forth a lot. So, you know, I, I think the other thing the article mentions that I think we have to be aware of here is it's an election year in the United States. And you're going to have candidates grandstanding on the border. We've already had it. I think one of the Republican candidates has already said, well, we should be cracking down on the northern border as well. Well, you know, the northern border, as we know, is central to the North American economy as well, from shopping, which we all know about, to just-in-time delivery in the automobile industry, where the stuff goes back and forth. Across the border, uh, the parts are made in the United States, shipped across and assembled in Ontario and vice versa and back across the border. Uh, this could be enormously disruptive to commerce and our lifestyles here unless we can get a problem on it. I see one voice, Simi, in the article, uh, 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 authority in Washington state who says, don't get carried away on this. The cartels have managed to lower the price of the production of fentanyl pills in Washington state to 45 cents U.S. per pill. It will be very hard to compete with that price. That's, of course, the wholesale price. You can pay five bucks for a pill. Uh, but uh, they said the cartels are getting so good at producing this stuff. This fellow in Washington state says he doubts very much. Uh, that the Canadian manufacturers will be able to undercut the cartels in the United States. So, you know, uh, the Washington Post, as I said, has put this story on the radar screen and we should hmm. be thinking about it, whether or not it's going to turn into a huge problem. I think it's too soon to say. So we shouldn't relax or we should not perhaps worry about it as much, according to that senator, because the cartels are good at economics. Is that it? Like we yeah, should, no, they're it, competitive. It's a business, right? It's I a guess. business. And they've gone from, you know, manufacturing whatever drugs. I mean, you could, you could go way back to prohibition and note how uh, Canada was a great source of booze for the United States because... Uh, they would, uh, the stuff was made here and they hauled it back and forth across the border. So, you know, it's uh, long it's got a long history of uh, illicit trade in products back and forth across the Canada-U.S. border. And that's the history. The thing is, fentanyl's so deadly that obviously our authorities, Simi, have to be concerned about it here. It is what I think the stats show it is the main fentanyl overdose is the main cause of death. Yeah for, uh, you know, sort of between the age of 19 and mid-40s. It's, it's pretty bad here. We should be worried about it just because of what's happening here, never mind whether or not somebody might put it into a container and ship it across the border. Very, very true. Avon, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.